With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 116 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's undedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. I'd like to say joining me and Lee today is... Uh, is Matty Dillon, he's back on for about his 53rd appearance on the show, um, <laughs> and you really can't wait to discuss what we saw at Goodison Park yesterday. Matty, how are you, mate? I'm not too bad, mate, obviously, apart from uh, apart from that yesterday, um, like we was mentioning last night, thankfully I was spare going the game, mate, um, but my uncle's not speaking to me at the moment, um, because I passed my ticket on to him, so yeah, happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, me and Lee weren't spared from going the game. Um, and we, we saw firsthand what actually happened at Goodison Park. Um, and, and Lee, yet, yet again, you, you've got to say, we, we, we pressed the self-destruct button three times in the game and it's cost us getting anything from it. Yeah, mate, massively. I mean, I, I, I was a little bit concerned, I'm sure you two were, about going into the game because obviously if you look at all the teams that have had a sustained break over this sort of you know winter period, because um, of COVID and, and injuries, or in some cases, some teams, just injuries. Um, then um, I was a bit concerned about our match sharpness because most teams have looked a bit off it. Um, and, you know, Brighton had played three days ago. Um, and, and I was just a bit concerned whether we, you know, we had to sort of first 20 minutes just make sure that, you know, we stayed in control of the game, if anything, and not just did, did anything stupid. And, we did anything but, didn't we? You know what I mean? We literally 2-0 down in the blink of an eye and you're just thinking, how on earth are we 2-0 down here against a team that just doesn't score goals? We all knew Brighton were going to come, play pretty football, you know, good movement off the ball, everyone's comfortable on the ball, keep it. But they don't really carry much of a threat in terms of goals and that's always been their weakness. And yet we've somehow contrived to basically concede three goals at home to Brighton, who haven't scored more than two all season, which is, I'm, I'm still shaking my head at it now, to be honest. Yeah, it was, you know, it was, like you say, totally unforgivable. There's there's many reasons, I think, as to why we've we've lost that game, which obviously we're going to come on to. Uh, we'll, we'll try if we can and keep the manager chat separate as well. Um, but Matty, what were your thoughts when you saw the lineup yesterday, first of all? Because we're going to have to, you know, look at that side of things. You know, we, we went again with it. A back five, if you like, with a couple of wing backs in in Seamus Coleman who played left and John Joe Kenny who played right. Um, two in midfield again, um, and um, obviously a couple of of wingers and Anthony Gordon Demai again, and the return of, of Dominic Calvert Lewin. What what were your initial thoughts? Because I know when I first saw the team and the memories around Goodison when it came out, people weren't weren't too pleased, should we say, with with what the minds you actually went for. Um, again, yeah, like you said, mate, I was baffled. You know, I, I had to look at it for 
uh, well, probably right up to kickoff to try and even work out what what the formation shorter was. Um, and I think we were all we were all stunned, weren't we, mate? With with seeing Shane sort of left wing back, um, which you know, it's it's not his fault, um, you know, in terms of what's happened over the last year. So um, we all know we should have got another right back in. Um, even to push him, maybe like three, four seasons ago. Certainly, obviously, we, we, we've needed like a new right-back in for at least a couple of years. Um, so, we all know his struggles this season. So, to, to play him sort of left wing-back, um, I find absolutely crazy, mate. And, you know, obviously, we're going to talk about the manager later. Um, but it just seems like he sort of put his own ego ahead of the, ahead of the team, in, in my opinion. Um, you know, you've got a, a French international, probably one of the best left backs in the league in Europe, on the bench, um, and you're playing a lad who's obviously been a great servant but been struggling for form um, at left back when he's got no left foot. Um, it, it's just it's baffling, mate. And like you said, again, you know, we we, we saw it in especially in the Watford game um, in the derby. Um, in other games this season where we've been totally overrun in midfield when we've had a midfield too um, and obviously we went with that again so you know to, to look you know the cold light today you, you're playing Brighton who don't get me wrong you know they've they've had a decent season by their standards probably um, but the, he hasn't been on a very good run um, and you look at the likes you know the likes of Lewis Dobbin Sims obviously you've done well against Chelsea um, and you go with you go with one up front um, five at the back and you know a, a flat four in the midfield. Um, again, they just just found that absolutely baffling. Yeah. Well, the way the way that the, the Brighton play as well. I mean, you you said to me like last night after the game, it's almost as if we decided to match them in terms of our our setup. But Brighton very very much will pack their midfield the way that they actually play. So we've seen it too many times this season. I mean, especially when the Corey got injured, and we still went with this midfield too. But even with Alan and the Corey. In a midfield too, you can shift in the core in terms of him and wanting to break forward, uh, and then obviously Alan, you know, you you make this point quite often that he likes to go and, and sort of chase players down and hunt hunt for the ball, put his foot in, which then leaves leaves gaps. So a midfield three yet again would have been the way to go. Andre Gomez slotting in maybe uh, he's he's done pretty well since his, his return from injury, so. Why do you why why do you think Lee that, that the manager keeps on persisting with this midfield too? Well, to be honest, I, you made that point about the free. When I, I, the irony is, Brighton have you know notoriously set up that way because of injuries at the back. They played before yesterday, so mm. the managers had three weeks to get this. You know, we're going into this game to try and come up with some sort of tactical masterclass against Brighton at home, and he, he's he's got it in his head that they're going to they're going to play a three. Three-five-two formation, and like they did when we played them at home. I was I went back and looked at when we played them at home. Arguably our best performance of the season at the start of the season, and we went four-four-one-one in that game, and they went three-five-two in that game, or three-four-three, however you want to however you want to position it. So you know, in the end we end we're running out comfortable two-nil winners, um, and you know we probably could have scored two or three more really if we're being honest. Um, but yeah, I mean. It, he should have realised that straight away. I mean, the writing was on the wall straight away that we were going to get outnumbered in midfield. I mean, what they did uh, is that in Wepu, obviously they've got from Salzburg, he's, he's, he looks a real player, by the way, lovely touch for their third goal. But he he, he was he was a menace all all game, and you know he was he was box to box. But they they were they were packing as as they showed on match of the day last night. You know they were they were effectively bringing the, those wingers in 
and creating four in midfield. So you could see Decore. I mean, I mean, Decore had a bad game. Don't get me wrong. But I felt for those two in the middle yesterday. I felt for them because they were literally out everywhere they turned. They were outnumbered. You know what I mean? How can Decore affect the game going forward, which is, is probably his best asset, making late runs into the box into that? When he knows, if he goes, then it's just Alan against four potentially over here. You know what I mean? And 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 that's how how can someone who's supposed to be you know some sort of inverted commas tactical genius, which everyone keeps telling us in the press, and you know Neville and Carragher and all those lot saying, yeah, Rafa's a genius. He's tactically, he's not. For me, he's outdated now. So he's got it wrong from the start. But if you do get it wrong, have the balls to change it. Have the balls to change it. Have the balls to change it and go, you know what, this hasn't worked. Let's let's bring sort of an extra body into midfield and then, you know, let, let, let's go from there. But you're 2-0 down. You're 2-0 down at this point. If you look at Everton's stats this season, the amount of times in the first half we've gone down, it's, it's unbelievable. I think we've con- I saw a stat the other day. I can't remember exactly what it was. But we've conceded the first goal in 14 of the 20 games. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean... That that tells you that for me, right? That tells you that first thought is let's make sure we don't concede, and then you no, know, let's try and stay in the game at nil nil, and then then have a go second half. I mean, mm. what you playing Brighton at home? They haven't won at Everton at Goodison mm. Park in the Premier League. Do you know what I mean? I mean, everybody knows, you know, like I said before, they play good football, but you could see how vulnerable they were at the back. You didn't even have Lewis Stunk, who's arguably their best centre half. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I, I just don't get that. If we'd had a go at them from the start, you know, we had a, we had a real opportunity uh, yesterday with, you know, no football for three weeks. So a bit of a, you know, a, a clean slate. Calvert-Lewin coming back into the side. We've all been waiting. We've massively missed him. We had a real opportunity to sort of wipe, wipe the slate clean there and have a real go at him and maybe put two or three past him and go into the Leicester game. Thinking, right, new start, second half of the season, everyone keeps telling or he keeps telling us. Let, 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 let's let's kick on from here. And then the first reaction is to go, let's have let's have five at the back. Five at mm. the back. And 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 to be honest, like you said, Mike, I thought it was wing backs, but if you look at it in reality, it wasn't. It was pretty much a flat back five. You know what I mean? And I, against, I against, a team, against a team that don't carry any threat whatsoever. They don't I mean when you I look think... at it, Mike, out, out of possession, it was a flat back five, mate. It wasn't they weren't pushed up. They weren't pushed up yeah. to, to, to force their wingers back. They were literally sitting in a flat back five. Yes, they did get forward. But if you look at it, as soon as we were out of possession, we dropped really deep flat back five against Neil Mopé. I can understand that when you play in Chelsea and we were forced into playing that way because obviously we were massively low on numbers and no one gave us a hope and a prayer against a strong Chelsea team. But we managed to grind it. So then the mindset is, oh, we did well with five at the back against Chelsea. Let's do that at home against Brighton. I mean... I mean, that, that straight away from the get-go, you, you, you're basically drawing your battle lines as if to say, yeah, we respect you, Brighton. One win in 12, Brighton. Brighton, who don't score goals. We respect you so much that we're going to sit off you with five at the back. I mean, that, mm. that straight away there, you've almost... Well, for me, and you guys will agree with this, I'm sure, but we lost the game in those first 20 minutes. The game was lost at that point. You've given yourself such a mountain to climb, the game's finished at that point. Well, as soon as you, you, you go 2-0 down... It's, it's an uphill struggle against any side in the Premier League. You know, you, you're not thinking at that point, we're going to go on and get the three points, you know. And and you look at that first goal, if we can isolate the first goal. I mean, the second goal was a fast. It's another set piece. L- lose the first header. You've got you've got nine foot three. 
Um, is it is it Ben at the back post? Biggest biggest yeah, back Campbell, yeah. on his own. No, what I mean, I think that the, the still which shows Michael Keymark and Mason Holgate just about sums up how how poor we are at defending set pieces. We you let the biggest fella get the back, scores header from two yards, with the first goal, three minutes of the game gone. You've got is it is it McAllister, who's just left just to run free into the box. He's just ran past the core, right? The ball drops to his feet, and straight away three minutes in. In this formation, where, like you said, Lee, out of possession, it becomes a back five, and you're paying this side too much respect from from the off. You're one nil down after three minutes in a pretty defensive formation, and the two lads you are playing wing back, one's on the wrong side, and the other ones had very little first team football in the last probably six months, if not if not longer, and you're asking them to then become attacking fullbacks. And try and get us get us back into the game, and it just it just made no sense whatsoever. And even at that point, you know, if you go one 0 down at home, I'm not saying make it, you know have a knee jerk reaction, but you've got to show something in terms of as a manager and as a coach to think right, okay, we're in a bit of a hole now. What can we do to to, to turn the table? Because even before they got the second goal, we didn't really do a great deal. Let's get that. Like, we, we weren't we weren't pressing at the top end of the pitch to try and get back in the game. We were still very, very much in this in this structure, and that's that's the really frustrating and annoying thing is is we can sit there and we can see it as as your bog standard football fan, but people who were getting paid a lot of money sort of either can't see it or they're too stubborn to actually to actually make the change. And yeah, it's that just... first that, that sorry mate, that first goal. If you look at it, I mean, it's their first attack of the game, and the lads got it out on the wing. And, and let's be honest, it's a poor cross. He's hit it behind everyone. You know, you, you always say when you get in that position, you want to whip it in between the defence and the keeper. You know what I mean? So an attacker can run onto it and it makes it almost impossible for a centre-half to clear it without shinning it into your own net. And he, he's put it behind everyone. So it's a bad cross, really. But then there's a third man run there of McAllister. And to be fair, it's a lovely touch. It's a lovely cushioned header from Mope, that. He's seen, him, he's seen the run out the corner of his eye and it is a nice cushioned header. But Michael Keane's been, he's, he's gone attracted to the ball. Holgate's there. Holgate's there. Holgate's on Mope there. But Keane's got attracted to the ball, which means that McAllister's ran into the space. And then it's, you know, first attack of the game, we've all just taken our seats. We're all ready, right? Come on, let's have it. And then you 1 0 down. You, you couldn't ask for a literally a more, you know, comical start in some ways there. We've just conceded with our first attack. And like you said, I mean, you know the set pieces. I, I mean, we had we had we had issues with that, as we know. And, and Carlo seemed to sort it, didn't he? He seemed to find a way that you know we 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 basically became, or whether it was Carlo or whether it was uh, uh, David Ancelotti or whatever. But we, we found a way to be stubborn from not conceding from set pieces. Rafa's come in with his new sort of you know whatever it is hybrid system in terms of right you know part zonal part man whatever, and we seem to concede from pretty much like well. Nearly every game we conceded from a set piece, and and that, that's that's just basics, as Pete would say if he was here now. It's just basics, you know. You, you shouldn't really be conceding that many goals from set pieces, and all the lads done. He's ran near post. We haven't reacted. Alan, Alan sort of almost semi. I don't know if you've seen it, but Alan's almost semi ducked under it. Mm. The lads, all he's done is you know flicked it on, and then everyone's got attracted to the ball. And there's two Brighton lads that could have put it in at the back, as you said, including bloody. Uh, Shaq O'Neal at the back, who's six foot eight. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean, like the guy, the guy who's basically the tallest guy on the pitch. And you know, when he walked on the pitch, it, uh, you know, when we were 
before the game started, everyone would have noticed him because he just looked like a giant. You know what mm. I mean? And you're just thinking, 2-0 down, and then you just, what is going But you could see, even with some of patterns of play, you could see they were vulnerable. But the biggest thing I thought that we were poor in the first sort of 30 minutes or so was how slow we were reacting to all those second balls. Because yeah. our, clearly our tactics were trying to hit Calvert-Lewin with these you know long balls, long diagonals, and try and pick up the pieces. And Calvert-Lewin was obviously up against Burn a lot of the times. So he, he did win a few duels, but he didn't win every one of them. But every time it dropped, because they had extra men in midfield, they just picked it up every time. Yeah. So, so effectively, we, the next phase of play was constantly Brighton having the ball. You know what I mean? So it, it literally was like a 2-0 there. You're just thinking, what, what, are we going to get back into the game here? Because we, we just seem to be clueless. Mm. Yeah, you do, you, you do. You know, every time we go a goal down or or what have you, we always say, don't we? I mean, how many times do, do, do people put it out on social media? Game over. Every single time it happens, because you question. Maybe it's wrong to do so, but maybe it's not. You question the the, the, the backbone of the side and the. The, the confidence within the team to actually go out and go and get and go and get a result. And it's not calling out all, all of our players, but you do question whether we have got that that spirit, if you like, to, to get back into these games. And there's no way we should be losing our own to Brighton, in my opinion. You know, even if you look at the start eleven on the pitch yesterday, for me, we should still be winning that game. That that's that's my personal opinion. But we keep on shooting ourselves in the foot. None more so than when we actually win a penalty. Uh, goes to VAR. It was, it was the most clear penalty you're ever likely to see, by the way. And the referee still had to go to the to the screen and be told to go and review it again. Um, up steps, obviously, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who was our penalty taker this season, and, and puts it into, into Rosehead at the park end. And I think, you know, at that point, we ain't getting nothing from this game. Because if you go in at half-time at 2-1, you know, on the back of scoring the, the last goal in the first half, you go in a bit more buoyant. You think, right, attack the second half now. We're only a goal behind. We can go on and win the game, you know. And I'm not, I'm not calling out Dom. You know, people miss penalties, as we've said in in the past. But you've you've got to put it on target. You know, the first game back, four months out. You know, you don't you don't lose your ability to, to kick a football and, and have a shot from twelve yards. You know, so that's not rust for me. That's just maybe the pressure of the situation. Um, and, and Lee, you, you said to me yesterday about the, the technique that he's got. You know, sometimes it's difficult, isn't it, to, to sort of maybe adjust and do what you want to do uh, and change your mind at, at the last second as well because of the run-up that he's got. You're very sort of Wayne Rooney-esque in terms of that. Um, yeah, it means if you run at it from that angle, you saw Salah miss a pen the other day where he, Salah does it when he runs round it. Mm-hmm. And basically... It all, all, all roads point to there to get power to hook it in that far corner because you're coming from that angle. If you're going to go in the opposite corner, you're just not going to generate the same sort of power. Now, my worry was, I don't know what you thought, Matt, but if you remember um, when Dom scored a penalty against Brighton, he would have had that in his head as well. The fact that it's gone to VAR and it's taken half an hour doesn't help, help things either because you just want to take it. But mm-hmm. the fact is he's, he faced Sanchez and he put it in the bottom corner, didn't he? That same corner. And I think... I was thinking, you know, he's obviously gone the same way, but he's tried to lift it higher. And I, when you look at it again, I think he's just leaning back. I think it's just it's just poor technique, really. He's just leaning back on it. I think he's gone to put it in that bottom corner still, but he's just leaning back. His left foot does give way a slight, a slight, a slight amount, but I think he's leaning back. And you know, it's, it's easy to say that if he'd have put it in the roof of the net, you'd have been saying that's Harry Kane, isn't it? You know what I mean? But because it did clip the top of the bar, so he wasn't far off. But 
he should have, you know, he should have just for me, the keepers going that same way. He should have just blasted it down the middle, um, mm. and, and and avoided that sort of, you know, that's a high risk pen. You're trying to put it in the top corner there, and obviously there would have been pressure on him first game back. You're two nil down. If that's nil nil, I know it sounds stupid to say it, but he, he, there's probably he probably scores. Mm. Yeah, I mean, because obviously the crowd are anxious because you're two nil down. He knows it's an important penalty. He's had to wait a minute or two to take it. He's facing a keeper that he's actually scored against on a pen, probably in his last. Well, it was his last game before he was injured. Yeah, and then you know, there's all that. All that comes into it, doesn't it? But I don't know what you thought, Matt. But I mean, it was one of those, wasn't it? No, definitely. I think, um, like you said, I've, I've noticed that a bit with his with the sort of technique when he takes them. It, it doesn't give too much margin for that. Really, does it? Um, in terms of the run up and stuff, but. Yeah, maybe that wasn't his mind, and the fact that you know he's obviously beaten him once before, and maybe is he gonna is he gonna sort of psych me out here and go the same way? Um, yeah, it was just one of them. And like Mike said, obviously when it clips the top of the bar and goes over, you think, oh, you know, this could be a this this could be a bad day for us. But um, I'm sure. I mean, you know, he's obviously the penalty taker. I take it. Uh, I take it. Richie's gonna be on them now when it, when it, when he comes back. I know he's uh, he's supposed to be the second in uh, second in command, isn't he? So uh, we'll see how he gets on when we uh, we get the next one. Yeah, of course. He got a cracking tattoo, didn't he, yesterday as well? If you've not seen that, <laughs> yeah. got to mention that, mate. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was one of the uh, only positives from the day was his new tattoo behind his ear. Um, but yeah, maybe there might be a change. I mean, it's you know we can't lay lay too much at Dominic Calvert Lewin's door after four months out and being two 0 down at the time. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I suppose if, if you put it in the middle or you put it somewhere else, you score, of course. But it's it's one of those. But you know, one, one thing I wanted to mention, Mike. Sorry, quickly there. I don't know whether you guys noticed it as well. I'd love to know the stats. I know you know we have Dave Hughes and people like that put stats out. How many how many attacks did we have down there? Their right, our left. How many times did we get down that side and got into positions to put crosses in in that first half? I think Gordon put a couple and he put one in with his left foot. It was just screaming for a left-footed player, in it? We didn't have one left-footed outfield player on the pitch yesterday. And for me, you always need at least one or two left lefties in your team because it just opens up the pitch in a different way. It opens up the pitch. It opens up different angles because you've got a left-footer down that side. Your first thought is a right-footer playing on the left-hand side. As soon as you receive the ball, it's to check back in on your right foot and go inside or go backwards. Mm. And the amount of times Coleman got in that position there you know, and, and and we can't keep you know we can't dig him out. I mean, he's you know the managers asked him, "You're going to play left left back today, mate? Left wing back?" You know, Coleman's not going to say no to that, is he? he? He'll play bloody anywhere for the for the club. He's playing goal if he had to. You know what I mean? But you know, the last time, as we know, he probably played there was when he got torn to shreds by Di Maria in Benfica on his debut, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Um, now he wasn't fa- facing Di Maria by any means today. Oh, yesterday, sorry. But. Um, yeah, I just, I, it was just screaming out for a left footer. The amount of times we got into good positions there, we've got our main striker back now who's top in the air and, and we, we haven't got a lefty in there to whip in crosses. Oh, yeah, we have. We've got one on the bench who's one of the best in, in the league at crosses, but we'll just leave him there. We, we, we'll, we'll come on to that in the uh, in the second part. But on that point, you know, look at the corners. Anthony Gordon twice, right footer, when it was it was screaming for an in-swinger. Uh, with the left foot and he's put the ball out and it's come back in two wasted opportunities that for me just 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 doing swinging corners <laughs> for me you you remove the risk of any kind of, of issue the ball going out of play anyway and it puts them and the goalkeeper under much more pressure if you if you do an in swinging corner but we couldn't do it from the right hand side because there was no left footers on the pitch unless you want to call jordan pickford up to 
Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't do that, to be honest. Let's just call Bell. Pickford up to take a left-footed corner and stick Holgate in nets or something. <laughs> uh, one, one, thing, one thing we did see yesterday, um, and, and unfortunately it, it's come in a defeat with it, the, the, the first senior goals of uh, for Anthony Gordon. You know, what should have been a real celebration for him as a, an Evertonian, Gladys Street's end, grabbed a couple of goals. You know, you can see what it meant to him when he got that first goal, even if it was, you know, it was via a big deflection. You know, how much he was trying to, you know, sort of get the crowd going and things like that. And it should have been a real moment of celebration. Goodison Park should have erupted when Anthony Gordon gets his first goal, senior goal for the club. And, and I felt for him yesterday. You know, he was the one player. He, he ran, his, ran, his, ran his heart out all game. You know, he was absolutely, he was gassing from about 70 minutes on. But he, he, he left it all on the pitch. And it's such a shame that his first goal um, at senior level, at the Gladys Street end, it comes in a 3-2 defeat. Obviously, he got the second as well. And I'm just gutted for him, really, on a personal note. It's, I think it's important to mention it because he's, if anyone, has, has been a bit of a shining light since he's been given a bit, a bit more of a chance this season. He's certainly come on in recent weeks, I think. You know, he's he's becoming a player now who, who probably is, is undroppable at this moment in time, even when Andros Townsend gets back fit. I'd still be looking to start Anthony Gordon. You know, there's a lot of questions to be asked when the Charleston's back fit in terms of, you know, how do we fit him into the side? Obviously, with Dom there now as well. It's it's interesting. It's a nice problem to have. But, Matty, it was great to see Anthony Gordon get off the mark, albeit in a in a negative a negative situation. No, definitely, mate. You know, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Um, he's had a few opportunities, hasn't he, this season? Uh, it just sort of hasn't gone over the line for him. So, um, you know, obviously the, it was a massive deflection, wasn't it, for the first one? But you know what, fair play. Um, I think we've said for a long time, haven't we? We haven't really had many midfielders who actually have a dig from outside the box. Um, and then the second one, um, I, I thought it was a great goal to be honest. He obviously started the move. Um, lovely little bit of interplay and then he obviously carries the run into the box finishes it up brilliantly so yeah like you said he's absolutely made up for him it's just obviously it's a shame that it's it, it's come with a defeat um, but I think in the long, long term it, this could be a real catalyst for him you know to, to kick on um, exactly like what you said I think he's been one of the one of the few shining lights that we've had um, but certainly you know in terms of a blueprint of what an Everton player is you just have to have a look at him because he just he, he gives always gives hundred percent, never stops trying, um, which is always great to see. Um, even if obviously certain things don't come off, you know the old pass might go astray or whatever, he just keeps plugging away and keeps going. Um, and you know we fully deserved it. Uh, yesterday, like you said, obviously he won the penalty as well, didn't he? So he could you know he could have been involved in all three goals technically if he would have scored that pen. So um, yeah, we're absolutely made up for the lad. And but like you said, mate, it's just obviously a shame that. Um, it counts for nothing in the grand scheme of things because uh, obviously we didn't get anything out of the game. Yeah, he's he's um he's one of us on the pitch, and you can see it. I wa- I watched him closely after he scored that goal because you know he's come inside on his left foot and he's prepared to have, have a dig with his weak foot there. Anything can happen. We know that. I've shots. Anything can happen as we saw it took a deflection off Lallana and went in. But I just think um yeah Gordon fair play. I wa- I watched him after it. Obviously he did a quick celebration, didn't he, in front of the Gladys? But he realised we had to get straight back to the halfway line. For the kickoff, and if you watch him closely again, he obviously raises his hands for the fans going, "Come on!" But then just before the kickoff, he has a little mini fist pump to himself, and that was a little moment there for himself. Then he knew it, you know. What I mean, that was his first goal. But at the same time, obviously, we've got a game to carry on with here with two, you know, two one down. Uh, I was really chuffed for him. He's deserved that goal recently. I mean, he's he's been outstanding. He was, you know, he's outstanding against Chelsea. 
he's taken that into this game. Um, and he, he did cause them problems. I mean, that, like you said, Matt, that, that second goal he scored, you know, really, it should have, it should have been to make it 2 all. really. I mean, you know, they, they had one shot on target in the second half and it was McAllister scoring from, you know, we'll, you know, we'll come back and have a review of that goal in a second. But, you know, it should have been made to make it 2-2. Two, two. It was a lovely goal. He comes inside. They've got everyone back at this point. They've clearly dropped off. You're trying to break him down. And he's put a lovely ball into Calvert-Lewin's feet. We've missed that from a centre forward there to, to show for it, protect it, it, a lovely ball inside the full back. It's fair play to Kenny. He's then picked him out. Um, and, 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 and it's, you know, it's, it's a little triangle in it. It's a little triangle. It's a lovely finish. And um, he, he's, he's, he's made it free too. But if, if you guys noticed that though, what, what you notice at, at two, when he scored to make it two one, the crowd obviously went nuts singing his name, everything else like we're back in this now. Come on. Then we went three, one, then three, two. The volume was noticeably a lot less because mm. it was almost as if we're just kind of like, you know what? I haven't got the energy to keep on carrying this team to 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 to, 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 to you know to the next level again. You know what I mean? And I said to you after the game, like, in those sort of games, we can't rely on fans. It's almost as if we were just like, oh, I've had enough of this. You know what I mean? I mean, even Gordon was giving it. Go on, come on, let's go, let's go again. And like, after fans were just like, you know what? What go again? What just we'll have another go again. It's almost sort of relying on the fans to drag us over the line. We should be controlling these games at home against the likes of Brighton so we don't end up in these situations. You know what I mean? I can't remember the last game under Benitez where we've been in full control of the game, where we don't even feel like we're going to score and we're just picking teams off 2 or 3 0 and we've all had a nice, easy win and everyone's happy. I can't, everything, like even the Arsenal game, you know what I mean? Everything's like pure theatre and energy. You now, for the neutral, it's probably a good game. But for for you as home fans, just like this is exhausting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We're having to win games like literally that that are just absolute goal fests and and come back from like one two nil down to try and get anything out of a game. No, hundred percent. And like you said, with, with the with the second goal, it was noticeable in terms of the the fan reaction, and it's it's almost as if we've, we've got to try and do it all again. And I think people are getting. Sort of fed up now, and it's it's becoming it's becoming a bit of a chore at times. Well, it is it's becoming a chore, really, isn't it? You know, when we've had what one win since the twenty fifth of September, which just is nowhere near good enough. Um, and and fan, fans are really are really struggling because you think we've thought I think in recent times beat Arsenal, maybe turn the corner, that draw at Chelsea, but we can kick on when when we get back to playing, and it's just it's just not happened again. And then obviously we see. When we, when it was two one and we see ourselves self destruct yet again for the third goal where Holgate's having to make a last ditch tackle which is probably down to his poor positioning in the first place anyway um, and then Michael Keane decides to to kick the ball across the floor and give it to their player about thirty yards out they go wide put the ball in flicked out and, and great finish by the way but yet again it was down to us not clearing our lines and just relieving the pressure and it's so hard because you know even if we we're, we're sort of two and up three and up. You know, you know that we've got multiple mistakes in us where we can quite easily concede a daft goal and pull ourselves back under pressure. And we're seeing it every single game where this is this is happening. Um, and even if we look back at the Chelsea game, you know, in a game where to get a point was, was a fantastic result, we still, you know, Jordan Pickford had a really good game. They were still getting quite regularly Chelsea and could have really gone on to score three or four on another day. So, alarm bells are certainly ringing for me at this moment in time because 
We can't get on any kind of run. We can't seem to turn a corner or make a mistake after mistake and, and conceding silly goals. I'd say 90% of the goals we conceded this season are, are our fault. You know, I think I think the, the defensive mistakes, the concentration's not right, you know, set pieces where we're not picking up the right people and people are getting confused in what they should be doing. There's a lot of things going wrong here and I'm struggling at the moment to see how we're going to turn that corner, to be perfectly honest. I don't know what, what, what you think on that. Yeah, I think that third goal, Mike, just to go back to that briefly, yeah, if you look at it, uh, I was thinking, how, how is he ended up in, in a one-on-one situation from the halfway line there? It's the sort of thing you expect in the 90th minute, do you know what I mean? When you're kind of trying to get an equaliser and you're getting caught at the back. If you look at it, Godfrey just goes straight, leaves his, leaves his, his position in the back, back five, it was at the time, leaves his position there to engage the players. And, and the guy flips it over his head and he's straight in on goal. So Godfrey's mm. gone to try and win the ball and he's flipped it in behind him. And to be fair to Holgate, OK, Mope's not the quickest, so he's got back, he's put a great tackle in. He missed times that, by the way. Potential penalty red card job, isn't it? Possibly. You know what I mean? Or, so he makes a good tackle. Keane, take a touch, son. Take a touch, just roll it out. Don't. And he's, he's just completely panicked, like you said, and just kicked it anywhere. We did that a few times, by the way. Coleman did it in the first half straight to Lallana and Pickford made a good save. You know I mean, just complete panic, just kicked it anywhere. And obviously, Gordon was on his heels. You know, Shaquille O'Neal came in front of him, went it back off him, and then gives it out wide. And to be fair, from there, it's a good goal because then, like I said, it's played into him, Weppo. And, it, and that's a lovely touch, that. That's a lovely touch, you know, to lay it off to him. And he's absolutely ripped it into the top corner. And it, like I said, it's their first shot on target in the second game, in the second half, sorry. And, and their only shot on target in the second half, by the way. And that was basically Brighton almost saying, look, we're 2-0 up now. We're happy to take this at half-time and just try and see it off. And even Potter himself said, you know, this place is tough to go once the crowd get engaged. It's tough. And we hung in there and we dug in and we managed to see it off. So, yeah, it, it was just an absolute killer blow to, to concede a goal at, at that stage as well, when, if anything, we were probably going to be the ones most likely to score an equaliser. Yeah, of course. Of course. But... It's just another game, isn't it, where we're looking back on, uh, where, as I said, we've we probably thrown 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 away ourselves out of getting a point or three points. Um, and, and questions yet again, unfortunately, are, are being asked about about the manager. And yet again, we're, we're going to have a chat about that after this break. Welcome back to the second part of this week's Unholy Trinity podcast. Where it's time to talk about the manager yet again. Uh, we've been here before. This show very, very much, you know, gave gave the back into the manager when he was brought in uh, because everyone deserves an opportunity, of of course, to, to to do the right job. And things have turned sour, as we said in the past, pretty pretty quickly after a, a good a good start of the season. Um, we've discussed a few times about the the, the tactical issues that we've seen where the manager's been a bit too stubborn to make any kind of changes to the system or even utilise a substitute bench. And we see it again yesterday where we touched on at the start of the show, the fact we went 5-3-2, if you like. Uh, not 5-3-2, sorry. 5-2, um, 5-2-3, uh, um, or 5-4-1, however you want to put it. We started with five at the back against Brighton at home. And we all sat there questioning, thinking what's going on. The biggest question was if you if you're going to play five at the back and have two wing backs, 
why isn't Luca Dean, if he's named on the bench, why isn't Luca Dean getting a nod? It would have been ideal for him, by the way, to, to, to be playing a slightly more advanced role, to be able to, you know, orchestrate things further up the field. And he sat on the bench, wasn't brought on at any point. As we said, Seamus Coleman plays left back or left wing back, John Joe Kenny on the right. And you sit there thinking, what was the point of putting Luca Dean on the bench if you're not going to utilise him at any stage in the game? Um, and the manager came out and said, he's basically, he's got a bad attitude, so he was on the bench. And my question would be, well, if that's the case, why was he on the bench? You know, you, you've not used him in the last few games because of a situation that's happened behind closed doors of Finch Farm. We, we've been spun all the, the nonsense about illnesses and things like that. And when it gets to a certain point that it's in the public domain, what's gone on? You've got you, you can't hide behind then the the usual uh, lines to to the media, I suppose. Um, but that's not the only problem, of course. We're we're sitting on one win since the twenty fifth of September. We find ourselves currently fifteenth in the league on the same points as Leeds United. Okay, a game and hand here there. Um, but it's fair to say, Matty, that decision yesterday in regards to putting Lukudine on the bench. And not using it in in a game when it would have been ideal in that formation as much as that formation was wrong. That decision alone, adding to it a defeat, has really got the fans back backs up. And the manager yet again is for me on the uh, on the knife edge, isn't he? Totally, mate. Um, like you said, obviously at the start. You know, for for all the you know the good, obviously at the start that that we made, uh, we we had some decent results. Um, there's been some tactical decisions that we've seen um, and selections that have just been absolutely baffling. Um, and yesterday, I thought topped it all off. Um, we all know, obviously, it it sounds like Luca Dean's obviously had a go. Um, in terms of saying that it's it's tactics aren't sort of working out in terms of getting the best out of him. Um which to be fair, I, I don't think there's any issue with that. He obviously you know, since he's been here, I don't think any of the other managers have had a problem with him. Um he comes across to me as like a, a model pro. Um and he's obviously not happy with his form and, and he's obviously trying to trying to get the manager to understand that, you know, maybe that's that's part of the issue. Um and I think yesterday as well, from what I can gather, um Luca Dean got a good deception when he was warming up. It was the only time he warmed up during the game. Um, and it, it wouldn't surprise me if um Rafa Benitez had sort of sent him out to, to sort of get a you know get a few boos and try and like boost his own ego up again. Um but obviously that 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 sort of didn't happen. Um I, I think the worrying thing, and we've seen it, um, I know me and Lee obviously had a had a chat yesterday about when he's been at other clubs and he's fell out with other players. Um it's just to me, it, it sets a really dangerous precedent. I think, um, it, you know, by the look of it, if if obviously if he stays in a job, Luca Dean will be out the door in January. Um, but what's going to happen if someone else? Obviously, the one that we're on, um, like we were saying before, Mike. You know, we haven't won. Um, apart from the Arsenal game, we haven't won since Brighton. I think in all competitions, it's two wins out of fifteen. Um, which you know is absolutely shocking. Um, you know, it really is relegation for, um, and and that is the worrying thing for me is if if he does stay in charge, how many other players is he going to fall out with? Um, and you know, as he sort of lost the dressing room already, I just, I just don't see how it's going to work. Um, going forward, and obviously, you know, we're going to come on to obviously the two two new lads that are signing. 
um, a day of silence. That, that, that's another thing as well. I mean, I was listening to one of the Ukrainian podcasts um, and apparently we've been looking at Michalenko maybe for a couple of years. Um, so you don't know whether obviously he was, he was going to be bought to provide competitions for the team originally. Um, but obviously it sounds like now he's going to be the first choice. Um, I just think it's, it, is, it, it is really worrying times. Um, and, and we all know as well, there's obviously there's been a campaign going on um, to try and get Farhad Mashiri to, to sort of listen a bit more and maybe engage with the fans more. Um, but I think certainly after yesterday, um, I think maybe it was the store that broke the camel's back with, with people who were willing to give him a, a crack, like you said, Mike. Um, and I think now, I think Farhad Mashiri should really swallow his pride and admit that maybe he got, he, he got it wrong um, and look to maybe try and rectify it because I really do worry. Um, now for the rest of the season um, in terms of if you're going to be making decisions like yesterday and you're putting your own you go ahead of the team it really doesn't bowl well That was totally unforgivable that for me that was not playing Luka Dean yesterday I know some fans obviously you know um, as we know we're basically saying throwing out the line he's been he's been garbage Dean for the last 12 months whatever I, 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 I'm not in that camp by the way he started he started so well with us he ousted Baines very quickly, and he, he obviously he, he was at a high level from an early, you know, an early time at Everton, really. And yes, after his injury last season, you know, he came back quicker than we thought in the second half of the season. But as the team was on a bit of a slippery slope with more injuries, he came back in a team that wasn't really performing, and obviously as a result, his his, his levels dipped a little bit. Uh, I think I think the stat is by January before his injury, he was on something like five or six assists. I think. And then, obviously, since then, uh, it, it tailed off as, as the team did. But um, to not play him yesterday, to come up with that formation first and foremost, and then play a right footer at left back, is 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 just unforgivable for me. That unforgivable. And like I said before, the fact that most of our attacks they look the most vulnerable down their right side. The amount of times Seamus was in so much space down that side, he was holding a touchline, and he was getting he was getting he was getting within you know. The final third of their pitch in crossing range so many times. But obviously, he was trying to cut back on his right foot because he hasn't really got a left foot. So, it, all day, you're just thinking there, he's going to change this at half-time. So, Luca went to warm up, didn't he? I think it was, at, was it about 10 minutes before half-time. And obviously, all the fans were chanting his name. I think the opposite of you a bit there, Matt. I think, I think Rafa hasn't even sold him to go and warm up. I think he's just gone and done it himself. Wouldn't surprise me if he just breezed past him, just going to have a little run around and warm up, and then obviously got got the ovation. And soon as knowing Rafa, if that will have happened, as soon as he would have got a positive ovation in his head, he'd be like, "You're not coming on now, son. You're not coming on. I don't care for five nil down. You're not coming on." And 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 that and that for me, as soon as you're putting like you just said there, your own ego over the benefit of the actual team, over a spat that you know. Let's be fair, Luca Dean, as we know. You've just said there he's got a great attitude from what we're told. He's clearly a leader in the dressing room. I think he was, you know, he was vice captain to Seamus. A lot of players look up to him. He's a French international, one of our best players. And he's had the balls to call out Rafa when we're on an absolute crap run of form and question his tactics. And the manager's reaction is to that is do one. Do one. Don't you don't you be calling me out. And not only am I going to isolate you and make, try and get the turn the fans against you. We're basically going to do it to the detriment of our own team as well, by the way. And that, for me, is absolutely shocking. That was almost a must-win game there to kick-start the second half of the season. And he's gone and played John Joe Kenny on the right, 
who, let's be fair, if he gets a move after this, it'll do well to get a Premiership move. And you've got Seamus Coleman, who, you know, playing left wing back or left back, however it was. I mean, that is, that's unforgivable for me. That that's unforgivable. I mean, the, the issue is bigger than the the Luca D. Rafael Bunny says situation. It's it, it's a much bigger situation. That's just an example of where we feel, of course, that the mind is not doing himself any kind of favours. We said it from the start. Deal with it behind closed doors. I'm not saying Luca Dean is blameless. I'm not saying he might not have done things correctly in 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 sort of one manner of speaking. But you grow men. You know what I mean. I know it's it's a high pressure thing, Premier League fo- uh, football, of course. But sort out behind closed doors. If, he, if he's going to get fined, find him two weeks wages, whatever it might be. Get him back into the side, and then away we go. No one knows anything about it. I'm not disputing that Luca Dean might not have been sold in the summer coming anyway because of his age, because of his profile, because he can bring money in. I know, like like you said, Matty, you know, Mikhalenko has been a target for 12, 18 months. We've looked at him. Marcel Brands has looked at him. Um, and, you know, I know there's people are trying to make this point on social media that, you know, you've got to see past Luca Dean, you know, was always going to be sold. Yeah, but there's ways and means of going about it. Don't don't you know have a have a public spat and let it rumble on for weeks and weeks and weeks. You know what I mean? And 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 basically, it makes a club look like a bunch of amateurs, in my opinion. It really, really does. You know, you look at at Chelsea and, and Lukaku. What's happened in recent days over what he's what he's been saying as he as he always did. We've been there with Lukaku in, in terms of how he likes to speak and and, and look for moves and things like that. Now, Tuchel's spoken about it, and he said, we'll deal with it behind closed doors. We've spoken already. We're going to speak again. And then, obviously, we'll, you'll know we're getting back into, into the into the team. And that's that's the that's the difference, isn't it? You know, that's what we we should have been doing. Keep it as quiet as possible. Deal with it, with it in-house. And for the time that Luca Dean is, is here at the club, whether it be until the end of this transfer window, next summer, whatever it might be, we can then utilise him. The player still feels settled. He still wants to work for the team. And there's no problem there. That's what should have happened for me, uh, and it's not. But like I said, yeah, but Mike, but Mike, what, what we've done there with the Luca Dean situation as well, with, with, by, by having a public spat and the manager continuing that, by the way, for as long as he has, right, has massively weakened our hand in terms of negotiations with anyone. Massively weakened our hand because they're going to be well. He's clearly fallen out. You, you know, he's clearly not well, well thought of now at the club. He's clearly not speaking to the manager. The manager's not picking him. Right, not 20, 30% off that price. Well, no, 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 we need to pay full price. Well, do you want him or not? You're not playing him. So we've mm. massively weakened our hand by doing that. Mass- it's like stupidity but beyond belief. Because what any club of any now, like whether it's Chelsea or whatever, are in for him, you're just going to wait till the last day of the window. You're just going to wait. You want to keep him on your books then? You want to keep him on your books? You're not going to play him? Or do you want to sell him to... Because re- I think we've signed this Michael Enko and we've signed, obviously, by the looks that we're going to get Patterson, which we need a right back. And I'm glad we've signed him. He looks, he looks like a prospect. Okay, we may maybe have paid a bit more than we initially wanted, but you know, either either or, he's going to hold his value. You'd think because of his age. That's they're the profile of players we want to be signing. But I feel for this Michaelenko kid now. I feel for him in a way because he's coming into a brand new league. Okay, from what again, from what we've been told, he's well thought of in his own country, but it's a completely different level. Completely different level coming to the Premier League. Yes, he's played in the Champions League. Uh, invariably against obviously much better teams and things like that. So he has played against good players. But you're asking a kid to come in here in a team that's not performing, struggling massively for confidence, crowd is on the manager's back, 
it's dysfunctional everywhere you look and asking him to come in and go, right, show us what you've got, kid. Show us what you've got. And for me, he should be eased, eased in. He should be eased in gradually. In the odd game here and there, or if Luca gets injured or whatever, or 20 minutes here and there, just to get used to the pace of the league. And instead, now, it looks very much likely, if he carries on like this, he's just going to be thrown to the Lions there. And if he, if he, if he really struggles in those you know, three, four, five, six games, wherever he plays, and we're losing games still, that could shatter the poor kid. Because fans are going to be angry that Luca's not playing because we've got one of the best left-backs in the league and we're choosing to get rid of him. And we're playing a kid here who's never played at this level. And then he could potentially struggle. And then, you know, it's, 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 it's absolute stupidity. It's stupidity. You know what I mean? There's every chance he could, take, he could take half a season to get used to the pace of the league. And yet we're going to basically potentially throw him straight in, straight away when he starts. I'm hoping, obviously, he hits the ground running. But as we know, it's very likely he's probably going to struggle, especially in a team the way we're playing at the minute. No, of course, and you know we'll come on to the to the new signing shortly. But like I say, this this bigger picture around the manager, and I don't I don't want to constantly have to be discussing them because I think the fact that we have to shows you exactly where we are, and the fact that we you know we we think that there should be some kind of action action taken now, you know, because it's getting to the point that the fans are massively massively you know divided in a sense. Uh, the vast majority. I'm not happy with the manager. There's issues, like Matty's pointed out already, around this campaign in terms of uh, Farhad Mashiri being more vocal and communicating with the fans and the fans wanting change. And, and to feel to feel you know that the club are listening once again. Uh, there's a lot of issues going on. But if we, if we keep it down to sort of where we are at the, at the base level on the pitch, in our last 10 games, we've picked up five points out of 30. We've conceded 23 goals. In the last 10 games. Now that is, that is incredible, isn't it? If you think about that, you know, to concede over on average over two uh, two goals a game, we've only scored 10 in that time. That's a really poor output. So let's just look at the basics and the baseline. And any manager who's pulling those kind of results has got to be questioned. And you've got to look at is he the right man for the job? And and the biggest the biggest question here is why aren't the board why aren't people looking at this and going, take out, out of the equation, you know, backstory to Benitez and things like that. Look at it. Look at results solely. Look at, you know, we're, we're conceding three goals to Brighton. We're conceding five goals at home to Watford. You know, nonsense like that. Look at it and go, is that good enough for any football club and any manager? And the answer has got to be no. And... And the baffling thing is, I mean, obviously, we're not privy to private conversations and at boardroom level, but the, you've got to wonder what's actually going on. I mean, I have heard a little bit of a, a rumour as of yesterday that that big dunk had been told to sort of prepare himself to step in um, over the next few weeks. Now, how true it is, I don't know. Um, it, does that suggest that, you know, maybe some people... Are getting the tether? Is it a case of Farhad Mashiri, like we said a few weeks ago? He's given the, the manager even more control, and you know he, he's he's now very very much um, captain in this ship, so to speak. Is Farhad Mashiri now too reluctant and too stubborn to say, like he said earlier on, I've got this wrong now. I've got to, I've got to pull the trigger. I've got to re- relieve him of his duties, and we've got to we've got to look for someone else. Is is that the situation? 
But I honestly don't know. I mean, like like I said at the start of, the, of this section, we've always tried to back the manager and and give him give him our support as we've always done all the way through. Um, but there does come a time where you've got a question: Is he the right man to take us forward? Even in the you know the shorter term of sort of two years, can he turn things around? You know, with this squad and with the style of play and and with his you know his outdated tactics, as Lee mentioned early on in the show. And for me, the answer is he's not the right man. Matty, your thoughts, right man, or is it time for him to, to be moved on? Yeah, I, I think it's got to that point. Um, might to be honest, I think like I said before. Um, you know, I was quite vociferous in the fact that they didn't want him to come in um, at the start. But I know there's a lot of people, obviously, who are willing to give him a crack, with, you know, which is which is fair enough. Um, and I think I've even seen, obviously, those people yesterday, um, their, their reactions after after yesterday's game it, it was very similar to all of us. Um, who said that it's it's sort of untenable now. Um, but like you said, mate, I think that is that is the worry in the fact that it all seems, obviously, now that Marcel Brands has gone. Um, that it seems he is, you know, he, he's sort of going to be pushed forward as the man to to deal with everything at the club, you know, in terms of transfers and and everything else. Um, that that is the the really big worry for me. Um, is it just he, he seems to put all his eggs in one basket for Rafa, and it's not working. Um, so yeah, uh, it, you know, I, I certainly want, I'd certainly like to see a change. Um, do I think it'll happen? I don't mind. Um, until you know, things sort of get maybe, you know, really bad in terms of us being in the bottom three, um, which, you know, certainly don't want to see happen, but I've got a feeling machine is going to be um, too big-headed and not, and not make a change because, as they say, he, he sort of, he's put everything in, into this in terms of uh, brands going and giving, giving him the sort of keys to the castle, if you like. Yeah, I think I think for me that 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 was I was prepared to give Benitez the benefit of the doubt, and and he's tested me a few times already this season. But that yesterday for me was 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 the worst. That was the worst yesterday because you know we got overran in midfield. My, my you mentioned the Watford game that was painfully obvious. Everybody could see that we had a two-man midfield there getting totally overrun everywhere, and then ended up conceded you know four goals in no time at all. And then we've gone and played Brighton again totally outnumbered in midfield it, it, it's you know forget all the Liverpool connections which is tenuous, tenuous enough as it is forget all the fact that effectively he's outdated in terms of who he is as, as tactically as a manager and then on top of all that on top of all that he, he, he still makes the same mistakes over and over again he's making the same mistakes you know you could almost you could almost forgive it if you could kind of see what he was trying to do but this guy has been, like I said before, you know, portrayed to being like an, a, a, an absolute genius. And I've not seen any of it. I've yet to see any of it yet. And, you know, we mentioned with Carlo, at times it was horrible to watch under Carlo Ancelotti last season. We know that. We've talked about it. We were trying to grind out results. But at least we were, at least we were in games and we weren't having to climb a mountain every game. At least he knew how to shut a game down when we were 1-0 up and make it horrible to watch. You know, classic Italian way, right? 1-0 up. Let's just shore up the midfield and just basically be tight at the back. But, you know, at least we looked solid. At least we weren't really conceding from nearly every set piece. You know what I mean? And, and that's the thing. You know, if Rafa was in this position where we were clearly like very hard to beat, which everyone thought he was going to bring to the club, 
It was going to make us really difficult to break down. And then, you know, it, it won't be great to watch, but, you know, we'll be in games and it'll be tight and then got that. But he, he hasn't given us any of that. He hasn't given us any of that. That's the problem. He's starting every game with such pragmatism and that never works. So it clearly hasn't worked. We end up falling behind. Our first half stats compared to our second half stats for the season is, is crazy. We scored 76% of our goals in the Premier League in the second half. I mean, I mean that just, that's just nuts. You know, but if you look at the best teams in the league right now, your Liverpool's, your City's, you know, even Arsenal playing great footy at the minute, things like that. Chelsea, they, they try and blast teams away like Brighton in the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes. They try and put two, you know, two past them early doors and then it's pretty much game over. We're, we're like the opposite of that. We're like, look, you, you have a few attacks. So, you know, hopefully we won't, we won't concede and then we'll try, we'll try and come into it in the second half. It, 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 that for me it will should be the end of him because it's you're playing Brighton at home, as I said before, who are not you know they're not goal scorers by any means. I think they've scored what is it? How many goals they've scored this season? Hardly any. I, I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but the, 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 we know they struggle to score goals, and you literally set your team up like that. I mean that that is just no wonder fans are going nuts. Fans are going nuts. It's because of that. It's because purely, purely because forget all the Liverpool links. Like I said, it's mainly down to what you're doing here. Why are you playing two in midfield? Why are you playing a right footer at left back? You know what I mean? Why are you constantly bringing on Rondon instead of bringing on Lewis Dobbin, who looked pretty sharp when he came on the other day? We want the lad to sign a new contract, don't we? Why are you bringing on Rondon, who by all accounts we're going to try and ship out in January? What are you doing? I mean, Rondon got in a great position there in the second half. He tried to hit Gordon with that pass, you know, to make it to make it three-three. If you look at that very carefully, when he got in that position, you've got Decore and Calvert-Lewin on the on the penny spot or just just behind for an empty net tapping, and he's tried to pick out. He's blasted it straight at Gordon. For him to flick it in from there at that pace would have been an incredible finish. All he had to do was pull it back, and it's a tapping. Pull it back, it's a tapping. You know, if that's Lewis Dobbin, he's on his left foot. His proper foot, he either has a dig straight at the keeper or he, or he has the awareness to pull it back because it's on his best foot for, for Dom to tap it in to make it 3 3. These are the decisions that you need to make at the highest level. And, and, and he's completely doing it, he, he's shooting himself in the foot every single time. Yeah, correct. And like we said, you know, he's not doing himself any kind of favours from a variety of, of incidents. In, and things that we're seeing from from tactics, uh, from personnel, from spats that we you know put, that are being made public. There's a lot of things going on here, um, and it's now time, as I said earlier on, in my opinion, for, for some action to, to actually be taken. And Matty, I, I'm I'm with you though. I, I I totally believe that I I can't see it happening just yet. I just can't see it happening as much as I feel that a change is now needed to to, to ensure. That we don't end up in the bottom three. By the way, they've got to they've got to have the the bottle to, to now make that change. Even if you said like Big Dunk's got it for a month, let's see how we get on and go from there. But I think a change. I think the players. And I know I always say this. You know, you, you can't sack you can't sack twenty players. You know, and I know some of these players have been through a number of managers now. But I think when all the fans can see that it's not just certain players not performing. It's it's the basics of of coaching and management that us fans are seeing when we go to the game, which are not right. And he's getting so many things wrong. And he, it's for me, 
it's solely through stubbornness that he's not making changes when he should be making changes. Substitutes yesterday, as an example, what was it? Rondon was his 72nd minute he came on. Andre Gomez, four minutes to go. What's the point of that at that particular time? You know, we've been 2 0 down and 3 1 down, and you're waiting for us to be back in the game of 3 2 before you make any kind of change. And the personnel who came on, not so much Andre Gomez, maybe Rondon. You know, you've got, like you said, Lewis Dobbin, Ellis Sims. Get them on the pitch. Get players on the pitch who have got an eye for a goal. Dobbin's got pace. He did well against Chelsea when he came on. The kid's got no fear. He would have caused, you know, all their giant centre-halves issues because of the fact he would have carried the ball like Damari Gray was doing, like Anthony Gordon was doing. You, you've, got to, you've got to be brave as a manager. And for me, he, he's shown that he's anything but. So whether Mate, we see... how, how, how reactionary was that, though? So basically, oh. you just said it there, right? We, we, we went 3-1 down before he made a sub. Mm. We went 3-1 down before he made a sub. That, that, that's, I mean, it's completely, re- everyone was looking at him on the touchline. Players are going up and down to warm up. And to be fair to Brighton, we scored to make it 2-1. The crowd are up for it. You're thinking, right, here we go. We're going to basically knock on the door for an equaliser. And I'll give massive credit to Brighton. What do they do for those next 10 minutes after we scored? They kept the ball and they quieted the crowd down. They kept the ball. They didn't really create a deal, a great deal, but they kept the ball and they took the sting out of the game. And then what does Potter do? What does Potter do there? He was obviously well thought of. You could clearly see that Damari Gray was getting success down that side. Brings Tarek Lamptey on, who's got pace, and who can basically and he, and he nullified Gray's threat. Gray, Gray's threat in the last twenty minutes was a lot less than it was it was before that, and that's because Potter's seen that going right. Here we go. We get Gray's getting a lot of success down that side. Let's bring Lamptey on, and he did it, and he made the change, and he he he, he makes his first sub in the seventy seventh minute. Andre Gomez against Arsenal came on, as we all know. And change the game because he had a bit of class in midfield. Someone who could, you know, basically hold on to the ball, pick the right pass, carry the ball a little bit, and he brings him on in the 85th minute. 85th minute. Mm. I mean, you may as well have brought him on in the 95th minute. I mean, how's he going to affect the game in five, five, six minutes? It's, it's again, it's just again, it's like, where's where's the sort of look? We need to change this. We need to change this. He's waited till we go three-one down before he changed anything. And even then, when he changed it to four at the back, we had a centre-half playing at left-back. I mean, we need a goal. We got a centre-half playing at left And there was one bit, if you remember, where Godfrey, in the last five, six minutes, gets down, in behind, down to the byline on, on the left. And, you've got, and he's having to check back onto his right foot again. Mm. I don't know. You know. You've got a centre-back playing left-back in the last five minutes of the game, trying to create a chance. Yeah, well, as 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 we said, there's so many there's so many things wrong, and so many things that need to be addressed. And the only way for me to, to really start to address them is is for a change of personnel. You you can't remove all the players, um, but like I said, the issues that we've got on the pitch, the vast majority are down to how the mind's just setting things off, the personnel he's using, you know. From from set pieces we've had issues all season, you know. So why why are we getting better at that? Why why aren't things improving? So we all allow and, and give give the manager time to get things right. So why aren't we getting better at defending corners and free kicks and things like that? You know why why aren't the players now more comfortable in 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 a formation? Um, we were better at the start of the season than we are now in terms of playing this this counter attacking football. You know, why are we still persistent with the midfield too? All these questions that, you know, you, you, 
you, you, your layman football fan is asking and can see where the issues are. But the man who's paid the big money to make decisions, coach the players and get the best out of them, either one doesn't see them, which I'm sure that he does, or he does see them because he's so stubborn. Well, it's my way and what I say goes. And that's how it comes across to me. Um, now, whether we see changes made in the week, I doubt it. Like I said earlier on, I can't see it. Um, but we are where we are. And we're, we're having this discussion every other week at this moment in time. And that for me tells you all that you all that you need to know. But that, that's us for this week. Um, Matty, I appreciate you taking some time to, to come on the show uh, on a... On a Sunday morning, really appreciate it. No problem, Mike. Any time, lads. And we will be back ourselves. We'll we've got a, a whole review uh, or preview, should I say, coming up, and we'll have a, we're having a quick chat about the the new signings that are, are coming into the club. So we will we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.